Father, we thank you for your beauty. We thank your beauty is all around us. We thank you we're so privileged to live in such a beautiful place. And we're privileged to walk with beautiful people. And we see your beauty in creation, but also we see your beauty in the church, in those we walk with. And we thank you for those lives that have impacted us and touched us over the years, and we remember them. Remember the voices that have spoken into our lives. And the times when you've just come upon us and you've whispered in our ear. And we're very, very grateful for your voice and for your church and for friendship and for the order of creation that you've made. And may we this morning touch all of that in a fresh way and understand what that means for us as individuals and as a community in sharing your light into our world. So anoint my friend now as he speaks. And Lord, help us come with really open hearts. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Al. Increasingly this morning, um, I've just got more and more convicted that um, I've made my talk too complicated. And... um, so this, this this might be dangerous, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna change it because because uh, I think actually it's really very simple. Uh, this is um, so holiness and hope in a hostile world. So this is the, this is the third part of our teaching series from One Thessalonians, uh, and this week we've been in chapter two, verse seventeen to chapter three. Verse 13. So uh, I hope you've all been with it. If you haven't been, got a chance now just to, to read those verses and make sure that you're up to speed. Um, there's, a, there's a report that's just come out called, uh, called Talking Jesus Report 2022. And it's just about uh, UK adults' attitudes to, to faith. And... Um, it found that 48% of UK adults still have an association with the Christian faith, which on the face of it sounds quite encouraging. Thing is, though, of that 48%, only 6% of them are defined as practicing Christians. And practicing Christian is defined as uh, meeting with a church or a faith community at least once a month, and praying and reading your Bible at least once a week. Now, I think that's a very, very low bar, yeah? And it means that all of us here this morning, we are in the vast minority of the UK population. And in fact, if you meet with other Christians most weeks, And if you pray and if you read your Bible most days, you are really an elite in the UK at the moment. And very well done, because that's most of us, isn't it? And we share, we share that with the church 
in Thessalonica that Paul was writing to. They were very much in the minority in their context. They were a brand new church of a very brand new faith. And just take a look around a sec. Just look around at, at one another. Just for a minute. Just see how many people are here in this room. We don't know for sure, but almost certainly uh, when Paul wrote his letter, the church at Thessalonica would have been, were no bigger than the amount of people that are in this room. Okay? You are talking dozens and no more. And that was in a city of about 200,000. So not the, not the 15,000 that's the population of Greater Marlow. Probably a church of this size in a city of 200,000. They were in the vast minority of their society. And it was tough. And it's tough for us. And that's why we need one another. That's what this section is all about. It's actually very simple. Uh, if you could turn to your Bibles. And there we go. Longing to share. This really is all about a very simple desire. And I think it's why the Holy Spirit was having a go at me this morning. It's a very simple desire to long to be together, to long to be church together. If you grab your Bibles or on your phone or however you do it now, I've brought, I've brought an actual, like, real physical Bible with me this morning. Um, and we're just going to read, well, we're going to read in three sections, but let's read from uh, chapter 2, verse 17. Okay, hello. Dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you for a little while, though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. After all, what gives us hope and joy, and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before Jesus? When he returns, it is you. Yes, you are our pride and joy. I'm going to skip that one. Okay, so I just want you to imagine for a minute. Just imagine your Paul. Okay, um, give a give you a couple of secs just to get your head around that. You're going to be Paul just for a couple of minutes and imagine you're standing before Jesus. And what are you going to say is your, your joy and your crown? What are you going to say is going to be your reward? What would you say? What would you say to Jesus? Your amazing... Damascus Road experience, your Holy Spirit-led escapes from all sorts of scraps and imprisonment and shipwrecks and 
your amazing missionary journeys, uh, your fantastic letters that have stood the test of time for 2,000 years in building up the church. What are you going to say? What are you saying? Okay, come back, come back to self. And now I want you to imagine that you're before Jesus when Jesus returns. Okay. And what are you going to say is your hope and joy? Your reward and crown. What are you going to say to Jesus? Is it your conversion experience? Is it your faithfulness to Jesus? Family? Career? Um, Helping people to start a journey of faith? Leading in church? Building up other disciples? What, What would you say? Have a think. Okay, so be honest. How many of you... How many of you would have said River Church Marlow? Anyone? Nigel, thank you. Out of all the things that you would have said, out of all the things that you can imagine Paul might have said, would you really have thought it would be this small church but probably no more than our size that Paul had only visited probably for a few weeks? And Paul is saying, when I stand before Jesus, it's you. You are my crown and reward. You are my hope and joy. Paul is in effect saying, you River Church Marlow, you are it. You are my crown and joy, my reward. It's you. And isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing to think that it's us? It's us. We are the body of Christ. We are God's plan, A, B, C, D, E. And so I really believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about reinvigorating our longing for church to be church together. If we're going to thrive and change the atmosphere when we're only 6% of UK adults. We need to be together. The thing is, the church in Thessalonica didn't really have another option. So they couldn't go down the road to another Christian church that they thought was better for them. They couldn't go online and go onto YouTube and just pick out the ministry that they thought was better for them and that they agreed with and that would encourage them. They couldn't do that. They couldn't go on to Amazon and buy some books that would build them up. They didn't have any of those options. It was just them and the Holy Spirit. 
That was it. They had to be together. There was no other option. And aren't we thankful that they did? Because we're here because of their faithfulness. Because from a church of about this size, almost certainly no more, we've grown out of. Isn't that amazing? Let's reinvigorate our desire, our longing to be church together. Okay, let's move on to chapter 3 and verses 1 to 3. So again, if you could grab your Bibles. Finally, when we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens and we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. But you know that we are destined for such troubles. So if we are going to uh, reinvigorate our desire for being church together, then it's got to be built on our commitment to strengthen one another with Christ at the centre. So um, despite the fact that the, the talk's titled uh, Christian Friendship, um, apart from a few times in some translations, Paul actually never uses the word friends in his letters. Um, I think it's because of uh, in, in his culture, uh, the idea of friendship was very transactional and reciprocal. It was, I'll scratch you're back if you scratch mine, sort of thing. And um, so for the church, Paul transformed it um, on the basis of covenant love for a family, which is why Paul uses lots of family metaphors in his letters. So church relationships for Paul are not about friendship. It's about siblingship. We are sisters and brothers in Christ working together. It's not about friendship, it's about being brothers and sisters together in Christ. Now, I've got lots of fantastic relationships uh, in this church, people in this room, and I know there are lots of fantastic relationships in this room, in this church. And that's brilliant, and that's exactly as it should be. But Paul is challenging us here to say, this isn't just about being mates together this is about being intentional as brothers and sisters in building one another up in Christ to actually have relationships where the focus is to encourage and strengthen one another as we follow Jesus And so I want to challenge you this morning to have a think about your relationships. Who do you regularly meet with to encourage, to build up, to strengthen? Who do you regularly meet with to, to pray and 
to discuss your faith and to have Christ-centered conversations with. Who are those people? Because if we're going to thrive and make a difference when only 6% of UK adults even go to church once a month and read their Bibles and pray once a week, then we're going to need to have relationships that can build and strengthen and encourage. So I want to challenge you. I think it's time that we renew our commitment to one another in Christ and have relationships that are centered on building one another up in our faith. Hit the right button. Okay, so, last section. I told you I'd simplified it down. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 9. How we thank God for you. Because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God till I see you again, to fill the gaps in your faith. May God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ bring us to you very soon. May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow, just as our love for you overflows. May he, as a result, make your heart strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God, our Father, when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Amen. Amen. Prayer. I think more than ever, this is a time for us to recommit to pray for one another. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, but we do, we do pray for one another. And that's right. We do pray for one another. And um, you know, I'm particularly thrilled that we've started off this prayer initiative of praying every weekday morning. Um, And I would just really encourage anyone who hasn't picked a a day yet to just do it. Because starting your day with corporate prayer together just makes such a difference. Um, Please just do it. And I'm also really thrilled about the way that we use our, our WhatsApp family chat to share prayer requests for not just within the church, but in our communities and our families, and how diligently we pray for people. It's absolutely wonderful and fantastic, and we must keep doing that. But the thing is, as Paul challenges us, is we don't actually need any specific reason to pray for one another. Like we don't have to wait for the issue or for the thing that's gone wrong, or for the thing that we're facing going forward. We're called to pray for one another. If we're going to rediscover, if we're going to reinvigorate our longing to be church, and if we're going to renew our commitments to relationships and building one another up in Christ then it's got to be based on prayer and on a commitment to pray for one another. For Paul, it was a a non-negotiable. He prayed for his fellow believers. And true to his conviction, 
he ends this section by praying. And within that, those passages, so within those verses, um, we get a model of how we can pray for one another. So I've put that up here, um, and I've just put it into my own language. Let's pray thanks to God for the joy each one of us brings to our faith community. Which means if we're going to do that, we actually have to intentionally look and reflect on the contribution each one of us makes. Go this way. Me, Phil. Oh, I've got to move. Okay, sorry. Let's that better. I'm getting away. Yeah? So we need to be intentional. We need to look and reflect and then pray. Pray what we see. Let's pray for what each one of us needs to be built up in our faith, which means we need to ask. We need to have a conversation. Let's ask each other, what do we need at the minute to grow? And then we pray. Pray in anticipation, looking forward to when we will see one another next. Like we can pray. I'm looking forward to seeing my brothers and sisters the next time we meet. Which means we need to hold one another in mind when we pray. It's got a bit clipped there, isn't it? Um, Pray that our love for one another and others will grow. So when we're doing that, we're expecting the best from one another. And finally, at the bottom there, can, can we get that up or is that, is that? Okay, it doesn't matter. We pray for strength for one another. That means wanting to be a blessing and to support one another. And I just think that's a really good, simple model for how we can pray for each other. We pray thanks to God for the joy that each one of us brings. We pray for what each one of us needs to be built up and encouraged in our faith. We pray anticipation, like looking forward to when we'll see each other next. Brilliant. We pray that our love for one another and for others, loving God and loving others, will grow, because that's what Jesus taught us. And we pray the blessing of strength on one another. And I really believe that if we commit to praying for one another like this, something like this, then things will change. You know, our church will change. Our relationships will change. Our own spiritual lives and our own prayer lives will change if we can commit to doing this. And so I want to challenge you this morning Who will you pray for? And maybe it'll be good to pick some people that you don't, at the minute, know particularly that well. And go and ask them and start praying for them on a regular basis. Just needs to be two, three people. It could be more if you like. But just a couple of people. If we just start praying for one another regularly. But also, you can commit 
to pray in this corporately. Like it doesn't take long, like it takes 30 seconds. You can pray this prayer for us as a church. Let's just pray for one another. Holy Spirit, I pray thanks to God for my church. You can pray it as a corporate prayer. But let's recommit to praying. Okay. To finish up, I think as I said at the start, it's, uh, it's actually very simple in many ways what Paul is saying here. He's saying you need to be intentional. It's like I'm, I'm longing to see you again. I'm frustrated that I can't be there. I'm having to write this letter, but I want to be there. Just the desire that God's made us as a family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, so let's treat each other like that and look to build one another up in our relationship with Jesus. And then let's pray. And I, as much as anybody else, are often guilty of making everything so complicated. But actually, God's put us in a family, and it's really quite simple. Be together, commit to building one another up, and commit to pray for one another. That's what church is. And if we are going to make some headway in that 6% figure, I passionately believe that's what we need to do. If we can simply discipline ourselves to do those things, we will see real change. And so I'd like us just to take a minute to reflect. On those questions and to ask you what attitudes and mindsets need to change for you that would reinvigorate your desire for church who is the Holy Spirit asking you to renew your relationships with with the aim of building them up in Christ and what practically would need to happen for you to be able to recommit to praying for one another on a regular basis. Let's spend some time reflecting.